Section twenty two of Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Natter. Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume two. Great Navigators of the Eighteenth Century by Jules Verne. First part, Chapter five, Part two. Captain Cook's Third Voyage, two a discovery of the sandwich islands exploration of the western shore of america from thence to bering straits return to the hawaiian group history of rono death of cook return of expedition to england on the eighteenth of january seventeen seventy eight in longitude one hundred and sixty degrees and latitude twenty degrees north the two vessels perceived the first islands of the sandwich or hawaiian archipelago it did not take long to convince the navigators that they were inhabited a large number of pirogues left atoi or tavai island and surrounded the ships the english were not a little surprised at hearing these natives speak in the tahitan language on this account the intercourse between them was soon friendly and next day numbers of the islanders agreed to go on board they showed their astonishment and admiration at the sight of so many unknown objects by their looks gestures and continual exclamations iron they were acquainted with and called hamaite but their covetousness was soon excited by so many curiosities and precious things and they tried to appropriate them both by honest and by illicit means their cleverness and their taste for thieving was as keen as is usual with the natives of the southern seas it was necessary to take a thousand precautions and they were often taken in vain to guard against their larceny the english when they approached the shore under charge of lieutenant williamson to sound and search for anchorage were forced to repulse the attempts of the natives by force the death of one of them repressed their turbulence in a measure and gave them an exalted opinion of the strength of the new arrivals as soon however as the resolution and discovery had cast anchor in owai mea bay cook had himself taken on shore he had scarcely touched land when the natives assembled in a crowd upon the strand prostrated themselves at his feet and welcomed him with signs of the most profound respect this extraordinary reception gave promise of a pleasant stay for provisions appeared to be abundant fruits pigs fowls began to arrive from all parts at the same time a party of natives assisted the english sailors in filling the casks with water and in carrying them on board anderson and the draughtsman weller were encouraged by this friendly conduct to advance into the interior they were not long in coming upon a morai similar in every respect to the tahitian morais this discovery confirmed the english in the ideas induced by the similarity of the language with that of the tahiti an engraving in cook's narrative represents the interior of this morai in it two figures may be seen standing the top of the heads disappearing in high cylindrical hats similar to those on the statues in the easter island in any case the singular resemblance gives rise to reflection cook remained two days more in this anchorage and could only extol the traffic with the natives he then explored the neighboring island of onihau in spite of his great wish to explore the interesting archipelago he set sail and from a distance perceived oahu island and the reef of tahura which he designated by the general appellation of sandwich archipelago this name has been superseded by the native appellation of hawaii 
strong and vigorous although of medium height the hawaiians are represented by anderson as being of frank and loyal character not so serious as the natives of the friendly islands they are less frivolous than the tahitans clever industrious and intelligent their plantations showed a knowledge of rural economy and an extensive taste for agriculture they not only abstained from showing the childish and common curiosity which the english had so often noticed but they inquired into their customs and evinced a certain regret for their own inferiority the population appeared considerable and was estimated at thirty thousand in tavai island alone in their style of dress their choice of food their manner of preparing it and their general habits they conform to the customs of tahiti this identity of two populations separated by a large stretch of sea gave the english much food for reflection during his first stay cook did not become acquainted with any chief but captain clerk of the discovery at last received a visit from one he was a young and well-made man wrapped up from head to foot the natives testified their respect by kneeling before him clark made him several presents and in return received a vase decorated with two small figures fairly well sculptured which served for the kava a favorite drink of the hawaiians as well as the natives of tonga their weapons comprised bows clubs and lances the latter made of a strong and durable wood and a sort of poignard called papoa terminating in a point at both ends the custom of taboo was just as universally practised as in the friendly islands and the natives were always careful to ask if things were taboo before they touched them on the twenty seventh of february cook continued his course to the north and soon fell in with the sea-rack of the rocks mentioned by the narrator of lord anson's voyage on the first of march he steered for the east in order to approach the american coast and five days later he recognized new albion so named by francis drake the expedition coasting at a distance surveyed cape blanc already seen by martin d'aguilar on the nineteenth of january sixteen o three and near which the geographers placed a large opening to the strait the discovery of which they attributed to him shortly afterwards the latitude of juan de fuca was reached but nothing resembling it was discovered although this strait really exists and divides the continent from vancouver's island cook soon reconnoitred a bay in latitude forty nine degrees fifteen minutes to which he gave the name of hope bay he anchored there to obtain water and give a little rest to his worn-out crews the coast was inhabited and three boats approached the vessel one of the savages he says rose up and with many gesticulations made a long speech which we understood as an invitation to land in addition he threw feathers towards us and many of his companions threw us handfuls of dust or red powder the native who usurped the post of orator was clothed in a skin and in each hand he held something which he shook and which emitted a sound like that of a child's rattle when he was tired of haranguing and exhorting of which we did not understand a word he rested but two other men took up the speech in succession their speeches were not so long and they did not declaim so vehemently many of the natives had their faces painted in an extraordinary way the feathers fixed in their heads although they appeared friendly it was impossible to persuade any of them to come on board however as the vessels had cast anchor the captain had the sails furled took in the topmasts and unrigged the mizzenmast of the resolution in order to allow of repairs barter with the indians soon commenced 
and the most rigorous honesty prevailed the objects offered were bear and wolf skins and those of foxes deers and polecats weasels and especially otters which are found in the islands east of kamchatka also clothes made by a kind of hemp bows lances fish-hooks monstrous figures and a kind of stuff of hair or wool bags filled with red ochre trinkets of copper and iron shaped like horseshoes which they wore hung from the nose human ears and hands not yet free from flesh struck us most among the things they offered us they made us clearly understand that they had eaten the portions that were missing and we indeed perceived that these hands and ears had been on the fire the english were not long in ascertaining that these natives were as habitual robbers as any they had hitherto met with they were even more dangerous as possessing iron implements they could easily cut the cords they combined their thefts with intelligence and one of them amused the sentinel at one end of the boat whilst another snatched the iron from the other end they sold a quantity of very good oil and a great deal of fish especially sardines when the numerous repairs needed by the ships were made and the grass required for the few goats and sheep remaining on board had been shipped cook set sail on the twenty sixth of april seventeen seventy eight he gave the name of king george's sound to the spot where he had stayed although it was called nutka by the natives the vessels had scarcely gained the open sea when a violent tempest overtook them during which the resolution sprang a leak on the starboard side below the water-line carried away by the storm cook passed the spot selected by geographers as the situation of the strait of admiral de fonte although he greatly wished to dispel all doubts on the subject the captain therefore continued along the american coast surveying and naming the principal points during this cruise he had constant intercourse with the indians and was not slow in noticing that their canoes had been replaced by boats of which only the framework was wood and over which were spread sealskins after a stay at prince william's sound where the leak of the resolution was repaired cook resumed his voyage reconnoitred and named elizabeth and st hermogene capes banks point capes douglas and bead san augustine's mount the river cook kodiak island trinity island and the islands called shumagin by bering afterwards he passed bristol bay round island calm point newenham cape where lieutenant williamson landed and anderson island so called in honour of the naturalist who died there of disease of the chest later king island and prince of wales cape the most western extremity of america cook then passed the asiatic coast and entered into communication with the chukchis entered bering strait on the eighteenth of april and next week came in contact with ice he tried in vain to survey in various directions the iceberg presented an insuperable barrier on the seventeenth of april seventeen seventy eight the expedition was in latitude seventy degrees forty one minutes during an entire month he coasted the iceberg in the hope of finding an opening which might enable him to proceed to the north but in vain it was remarked that the ice was clear and transparent except in the upper part which was slightly porous i supposed says cook that it was frozen snow and it appeared to me that it must have been formed in the open sea both because it is improbable or rather impossible that such enormous masses could float down rivers which contain too little water for a boat and also because we perceived no produce of the earth which we must have done if it was so formed 
up to this date the passage through Bering's strait had been the least used to reach the northern latitudes cook's observation is valuable as it proves that beyond this aperture a vast extent of sea without land must exist it may possibly be this was the view held by the lamented gustave lambert that this sea is open no greater distance north has ever been attained since cook's time except on the siberian coast where plover and long islands were discovered and where at this moment as we write professor nordenskjold is exploring translator's note on the fifth of september eighteen seventy nine a telegram from stockholm announced that the swedish arctic expedition under professor nordenskjold had made the northeast passage from europe to japan and that the swedish exploring vessel the vega had arrived at yokohama by way of bering straits the end of note after most careful exploration and repeated efforts to reach higher latitudes cook seeing that the season was advanced and encountering more icebergs daily had no choice but to seek winter quarters in a more clement country before continuing his expedition the following summer he therefore retraced his route as far as the unalaska island and on the twenty sixth of october steered towards the sandwich islands hoping to complete his survey of them during his wintering there an island was discovered on the twenty sixth of november the natives sold the quantities of fruits roots breadfruits potatoes taro and eddy roots which they exchanged for nails and iron implements it was moi island which forms part of the sandwich archipelago shortly afterwards ohaihi or hawaii was sighted the summits of which were covered with snow the captain says we never met savages so liberal as these in their views they usually send the different articles they wish to sell to the ships they then come on board themselves and finished their trade on the quarter-deck the tahitans in spite of our constant stays there have not the same confidence in us i conclude from this that the inhabitants of ohaihi are more accurate and true in their reciprocal trade than those of tahiti for the latter have no honour among themselves and are thus not inclined to believe in the honour of others End of section 22